Brothers and sisters, as we celebrate this feast of the baptism of the Lord, we can't do so without acknowledging the great paradox that's posed by this feast. And that is that Jesus, who is without sin and in no need of repentance, approaches John, who is going about preaching a message of repentance, and he asks John for baptism. Now, John, of course, knew the oddity of the situation. You know, after all, he'd already acknowledged that he wasn't even worthy to untie the thongs of Jesus' sandals, much less baptize Jesus. And yet, Jesus still came to John for baptism. The reason that Jesus approached John for baptism was so that John's ministry would be legitimized and fulfilled. Now recall that John had been told that the one upon whom he saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove would in fact be the Messiah. So when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, John knew that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. Thus Jesus' baptism serves as one of the key moments for understanding Jesus' identity. Last week, we celebrated the Epiphany, which is where we begin to see Jesus' identity being made known to the entire world. And today, this identity of who Jesus is, is once again made known. The identity of Jesus is at the very heart of Christianity. You can't get Christianity off the ground without first answering that question that Jesus poses. Who do you say that I am? His identity is central to our belief. We believe that Jesus is, in fact, God incarnate. It's a fact that I think sometimes we, we tend to forget at times. Um, I used to teach sixth grade religion up in New York, fifth and sixth grade religion. Actually, it was fifth graders where I taught this Jesus is God year. And I drilled that into my students. I gave them t-shirts that said, Jesus is God. And I did that because one time on a homework assignment, I had asked them to circle all that were right about Jesus, and one kid had, had, had circled that Jesus was God, but then it erased it, and I could see the eraser marks. And I said, why did you erase that? And he said, well, because my mom told me to. She said it wasn't right. And I said, go tell your mom she's not smarter than a fifth grader, and that, you know, she can come to class. Um, Jesus is God, and that's at the very heart of our belief as Christians. And that's what we see in the baptism of Jesus today. We see the working of the entire Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got the Father declaring, this is my beloved Son. We've got the beloved Son there, and we've got the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove. St. Luke is making it very clear that this is God who is coming up from these waters of baptism. There's also another important part of Jesus' identity that's revealed today. And that's revealed by the Father when the Father says, You are my beloved Son. This notion of what it means to be beloved is key to Jesus' identity and ultimately to our own identity. Because the baptism of the Lord, it sheds lights upon Jesus' identity, but it reveals our identity as well. When we follow Christ's command and are baptized, we're given a new identity. In fact, when a priest baptizes an infant, he tells the infant that you have become a new creation in Christ. 
we are united to Christ. And being united to Christ means that we too are properly called the beloved of God. Thus, the baptism of the Lord isn't just about Jesus' identity, but it's about our identity as well, our identity as being God's beloved. The famed spiritual author Henry Nouwen reflected on what it meant to be beloved in his book, The Life of the Beloved. Nouwen says that being the beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. Yet at the same time, he notes that we often skate around this, this truth of who we are. We forget that we're beloved, and we allow the world to convince us that we're not beloved, but instead we're worthless. Rather than listening to the voice that definitively declares, you are my beloved, we listen to other voices, voices that often seem louder as they cry, prove that you're worth something, do something relevant, spectacular, or powerful, and then you'll earn the love that you so desire. Friends, such voices are, of course, diabolical. They're the voice of the devil. Scripture itself informs us as much when we hear that account from Scripture, you might recall, of the temptations of Jesus. When Jesus goes out into the desert and is tempted, the devil is continually starting those, by, those temptations by saying, if you're the Son of God, if you're his beloved, then do this, do that. The reality is that Jesus is the beloved as part of his identity. It's not because of something he does that makes him beloved. And the same is true for us. And it's an important thing for us to learn and to understand that being beloved is part of our identity. We're not beloved because of something we do or something we can accomplish. We are beloved because we are made in the image and likeness of God. When we forget that, we fall into the danger of sin. And what we do is we allow other people to start to manipulate us. Because when we forget that we are the beloved of God, that we are desired by the one whom we desire, that we are desired by God and loved by God, what happens is we begin to try to prove that we're lovable. We question whether or not we're lovable, and we begin to try to prove that. And what happens is we listen to these people who will say, well, you're lovable as long as you do these things. You're lovable as long as you wear these clothes. You're lovable as long as you have these things or can do these certain activities. And in doing so, we allow people to manipulate us because we begin to say, well, then I need to buy these things. I need to act this way. I need to do these things. And all of a sudden, we're trying to please other people and bending over backwards to do so. When if we would just realize that we are beloved because we are made in the image and likeness of God, then all of a sudden, we'd realize how free we truly are. Because then, I don't need to act in a way to try to please you, and you don't need to act in a way to try to please me. We can go on our lives being our authentic selves, and knowing that we are the beloved of God, and knowing that he's the one who our life is oriented towards. He's the one who we need to please. He's the one who not only are we his beloved, but he's our beloved. And so we do things with his goals in mind, not the goals of other people who may or may not have our best interests in mind. That's the great truth of our human freedom. When we realize that we are loved by God, when, we're realized, when we realize that we 
are his beloved. We don't need to seek approval from anyone else. We're free. And as people who are free, we are free to live in the light of the children of God. We're free to follow his commands, to follow his ways, and to enjoy the great joy and the peace that comes from knowing that we are the beloved. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all of God's beloved.